0: Brittany and I are not doctors, dietitians, mental health professionals, experts on endometriosis, or any kind of qualified medical professional. So that means that none of the information we share on this podcast is medical or mental health advice. If
1: you get inspired by something we say, always consult your qualified medical professional first before making any changes.
0: Hi, everyone. Before we start today's episode, Brittany and I want to jump in. With a quick message from the future, as in we are stating this brief message after having recorded and aired this episode back in 2019. But we thought it was important to bring this message because at the time of recording, we were not aware that not everyone who has endometriosis identifies as a woman. So this is why we wanted to bring this message at the beginning before you even start the episode, because during this episode, at the time of recording, we referred to women with endometriosis instead of people with endometriosis. Now that we have this knowledge that not everyone who has endometriosis identifies as a woman, we think it's really important to state that endometriosis can affect people of any gender identity. And we wish we had known this at the time of recording so that we could have used inclusive language.
1: While listening to today's episode, if you don't identify as a woman in the places where we used that language, we do want to clarify now that we acknowledge and welcome you. Amy and I have been actively learning about how this disease affects people of all gender identities and expressions, and we shifted to inclusive language in our
0: more recent episodes. And we also want to clarify that when we were talking about anatomy, we used terms like biological women and biological men But what we were actually referring to is people assigned female at birth and people assigned male at birth. Apart from the language that we use in this episode, there is another thing that we want to point out, is that since recording this episode, our knowledge on the origin of endometriosis has evolved tenfold. So listening back to this episode, the science that we talked about still stands, but I wish we had expanded more on all the holes. In the theory of retrograde menstruation as the cause of endometriosis. So, we do want to be really clear right now at the beginning that retrograde menstruation is not the cause of endometriosis. And even Dr. John Sampson, who came up with the theory of retrograde menstruation, said himself that it could not be the cause of all forms of endometriosis. So, even he recognized the limitations of his own theory. Yet the medical community just cannot seem to let go of retrograde menstruation, and it's practically dogma at this point. It's widely believed, in spite of the evidence to debunk it, it's still written in the majority of medical textbooks, websites, and research articles. Which is why, in my opinion, it will likely never be officially disproved, even though it needs to be, because there are so many vested interests around retrograde menstruation. It would require a change of beliefs. Beliefs that people have that they fervently research and teach and even prescribe treatment based on those beliefs. It would require an overhaul to many systems involving endometriosis. So I really quickly want to expand on the evidence against retrograde menstruation. We talked about a couple of things in our episode. But I just want to quickly list a couple more things because I want to make it really clear how much evidence there is out there to debunk the theory of retrograde menstruation. So a couple of extra things to mention is that we know that 90% of menstruators have retrograde menstruation, but only 10% have endometriosis. We know that endometriosis has been found in young people who have not yet menstruated, in fetuses, in people assigned male at birth, and in animals who don't menstruate. If endometriosis were caused by retrograde menstruation, which it's not, but if it were, then the rate of recurrence of endometriosis after complete excision would be so much higher than 7 to 20%, because retrograde menstruation would just keep seeding the pelvis month after month, even after the person has excision. But we know that rates of true recurrence are really low post excision. If endometriosis were caused by retrograde menstruation, then as I said, the pelvis will be filling up with endometriosis over time, but it's not. And to quote Dr. David Redwine, quote, Older age groups do not have more disease than younger age groups, regardless of whether disease extent is measured by the number of pelvic areas involved, the revised American Fertility Society classification system, or the square centimeters of peritoneum involved by the disease. End quote. Another thing is that according to the peritoneal circulation modification of retrograde menstruation, which basically is saying that as the person ages, the left side of the pelvis would have more endometriosis than the right side due to supposedly the way that the peritoneal fluid circulates in the pelvis. So, theoretically, due to the direction of the flow of the peritoneal fluid and the placement of the sigmoid colon, it would allow, theoretically, the refluxed endometrial tissue to be on the left side for longer, so then people would have more left-side involvement as they age than right-side involvement. But two studies found that people with endometriosis did not have more left-side involvement with age. So that's just like a quick summary of even more evidence to debunk retrograde menstruation plus other things that we're going to talk about in the episode. And we just wanted to add that before we start because retrograde menstruation has been responsible for so much damage to patients with endometriosis, so many unnecessary hysterectomies, failed treatment, when ablation fails and endometriosis persists and recurs, oftentimes doctors blame retrograde menstruation and they say, oh yeah, well, it's not the ablation that didn't work, it's that endometriosis always comes back, the disease can't be removed but we know that's not the case. Endometriosis can be removed via excision. So as Brittany and I have learned more about endometriosis and retrograde menstruation, it's become really important to us to really continue to talk about the flaws in retrograde menstruation and how it is not the cause of endometriosis. And as you listen further in our podcast episodes, our future episodes, you'll see that in a lot of episodes, we really come down hard on retrograde menstruation. And you know, to play devil's advocate, even if retrograde menstruation did play a small role in endometriosis for some people, it's literally impossible for it to be the main cause of endometriosis like so many people in the medical community say that it is. I want to read a quote from the Center for Endometriosis Care from their article Endometriosis, a Complex Disease. Quote, the definitive cause or causes of endometriosis remain under heavy debate, though demonstrated association with a number of hereditary, environmental, epigenetic, and even certain menstrual characteristics exist. Current research implicates hoax genes, mesenchymal stem cells, and certain immunologic factors in disease origin. Nonetheless, no single theory explains endometriosis in all those affected. More likely, a composite of several mechanisms is involved. Now we'll go ahead and let the
1: original episode that was recorded back in 2019 play from the beginning. Today we're going to talk about the theories surrounding endometriosis. Why does it exist? No one knows. Where does it come from? No one knows. So we're going to talk about some theories about what people believe, how it's formed, where it comes from, what its origins, and some of the myths that actually have come from some of the theories.
0: The first theory is... Well, no, I feel like we should just end the episode right there. You already said, where does it come from? Nobody knows. (laughs) What causes it? I think it's the same question. Nobody Nobody knows. knows. Okay. You're giving it away. You're giving spoilers. Okay. The episode is over. (laughs) This is our shortest episode ever. Exactly. 35 seconds. (laughs) You're giving spoilers. Thanks Amy. for listening today. Please give Bye. us a rating. Please give us a rating. <laughs> <laughs> Reach out to us on in sixteen years of endo on for Instagram. No, we're an
1: informational <laughs> podcast. We have to tell them about the theories. Oh, so the first
0: theory, oh Brittany, is called fine. Samson's theory. Oh, first, let's tell everyone why they should care about the theories of the causes of endo. Why should we care, Brittany? Why do I care? Oh, my. I don't care. Why should I care? <laughs> well,
1: you should care because the treatment for endo is based on the cause of endo or <gasps> what's thought to be the causes of endo. And so as we go through these different theories, we'll see how they're really different from each other. And therefore, the implications that they have on the different treatment options vary as well. So the causes or the theories of the causes influence why a certain treatment option came to be in existence or was even thought of as being a treatment option. So that's why you should care.
0: Oh, I care. Now I care. I care so deeply, Brittany. Good. I'm hanging on every single word that you say and that I say. You should. Okay. (laughs) Just to let you know that the information that we're going to talk about in the podcast, we did find using three different sources that we feel are very credible. So first is endopedia.info. The next one is the thecenterforendo.com. And the third is the Facebook group, Nancy's Nook Endometriosis Education. I'm going to link those in the show notes, which is going to be at in16years.com. And I highly recommend that you check out those resources for yourself. There's so much information in there. So much deep learning you can do to really understand this illness that we have. So I was pretty blown away when I started learning about what Endo is. I was like, I don't know anything. Everything I thought I knew was wrong. (laughs) Well, and the information
1: (laughs) in there is all by front runners in the field. Like These are people who really know what they're talking about.
0: Exactly. So definitely check those resources out. Please just remember that while Brittany and I really strive to have accurate information on the podcast, this does not mean that we always get everything correct. Wait, what do you mean? Well, I thought you knew
1: everything. Are you shattering my perception of the world and our friendship?
0: Bow down me, Brittany. I am oh so smart and knowledgeable. I, already do. I do whatever you tell me to do. Everyone knows, <laughs> the whole listener group knows. Well, Brittany and I could make a mistake. Brittany, we could make... Could, okay. We could... I'm not saying we're going to make a mistake, because we we really did strive to learn the information. We did double, triple research, okay? And and accurately teach this information on the podcast. But, 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 we could make a mistake, Brittany, okay? Do you agree that we could... Yes. I mean, that information's pretty scientific, so it's easy
1: to misunderstand or misinterpret something. So I get that.
0: Perfect. So... just want to encourage you to always do your own research. So go directly to the source and learn the information for yourself to be sure that you really understand what they were saying. The first theory is called Samson's theory.
1: And this theory says that endometriosis is caused by retrograde
0: menstruation. I'm sorry, Brittany, but what on earth is retrograde menstruation? (laughs) Is that where Princess Endo is like dancing She's With a disco
1: Pitt's queen Sheckers shirt, yeah. <laughs> she's disco queen retro. No, listening to the B G. No, <laughs> I mean that Volta. that would make sense why the pain is so bad because she's like doing the disco in your uterus, but like no, that's not it. <laughs> Actually, retrograde menstruation is like the most fun thing ever, like dancing at the disco, but not exactly. It's when your period blood just like. Leaks out of your tubes and just, like, you know, chills out and implants itself into different parts of your insides. Really fun, right? So you're leaky. Yeah, like a faucet. Ooh. I mean, you're already leaking out of your vagina, like, (laughs) into, like, a tampon cup or pad.
0: But, like, also you're leaking inside your body. Oh, my. So we mentioned this theory first because this theory has been the most prominent and influential theory, which was... Developed by a Dr. Sampson in the 1920s.
1: A hundred years ago? Yes, Brittany. People did science a hundred years ago. <laughs> okay, but they also thought that your uterus moved around <laughs> your body like a hundred years ago.
0: So like... <laughs> well, I don't know what Dr. Sampson thought. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> but yes, this theory is about a hundred years old. And it's again, it's the most prominent, the most influential. And it's actually shaped the way that Ender has been treated and taught in the medical, like in mainstream medical system. So we'll get into that in a minute. So as Brittany mentioned, this theory is 100 years old. It remains a theory because it has yet to be proven. One way to try to prove this theory is to have microscopic analysis of biopsies of endo. So they find your endo and they take it out and they look at it under a microscope. But scientists still have not been able to find evidence of that. Like, so if it leaks out of your tubes your blood, if it leaks out of your tubes and then it attaches, they should be able to see like that initial attachment under the microscope. So it's like it's been transplanted, right? Like that tissue, that blood has been transplanted from the uterus to pelvis. It's basically like been scooped up and moved. But they haven't been able to find evidence that it's been transplanted. Hence, it remains unproven. And second, they have been able to show that endometriosis is not the same as the uterus lining. So as we said, they're not able to approve the initial attachment. And then second, when they do see endometriosis under a microscope, it's not identical to the uterine lining. So it's not identical to the normal endometrium. So retrograde menstruation is just a theory.
1: And how does that affect endometriosis treatment? And why might that be a problem?
0: Let's find out, Brittany. Let's find out. There are some doctors who, subscribing to the theory of retrograde menstruation, which, as we said, is just an unproven theory at this time, these doctors believe that every time you have your period, you leak into your abdominal cavity, right? So let's say that you have excision surgery and you get your endometriosis excised and you get rid of all of it. But according to this theory, every time or many times when you have a period, It's just going to leak, and it's just going to implant, and it's just going to grow back. But what a lot of doctors see is that this doesn't happen. So there are a lot of women who, after they get excision surgery, their endometriosis does not grow back. And we're going to talk about this a little further on. So what are some of the problems with this idea that your endo always grows back? Well, there are doctors who don't believe that excision surgery is useful as a tool to help endometriosis because, you know, you remove it, but it's just going to grow back. So why do it? Or this could influence them just to choose ablation. And we're going to talk about the different types of surgery a little later on. But, you know, this could also influence them just to choose ablation because, okay, well, we're going to burn it off, but then it's going to grow back. So we'll just burn off again. Then it's going to grow back. So it'll burn off again. So it's going to grow back. Why are we getting surgery after surgery after surgery? Why don't we do surgery effectively? With excision. The first time around. Mm-hmm. So along those lines of the evil, evil uterus, bleeding, bleeding out in the cavity, bleeding out in the tubes, the next myth is that a hysterectomy cures endometriosis. In theory,
1: this sounds like it would make sense. If you rid the body of the source of the endometriosis, then you would also rid the body of the endometriosis itself. However, and unfortunately, it's not been proven to be effective. And many who have had a hysterectomy do report that their endometriosis still causes them pain. They still have symptoms, especially if the endometriosis wasn't removed during the removal of the uterus. And really this is because if the endo isn't treated, because the endo is separate from the uterus, then the symptoms and the pain are still going to persist because you didn't actually treat the root
0: of the problem. Which is endometriosis.
1: Yes. And that will just persist. Because the root of the problem isn't your bleeding and leaking everywhere. It's the endometriosis and the uterine-like tissue that's causing the symptoms and the pain. That's not to say that there isn't a place or a certain time when a hysterectomy would be effective for a certain patient. There are cases where that might be the right option after speaking with your endospecialist. That could be the right option for your body. There are other conditions, such as adenomyosis, where that could be the correct option, because adenomyosis is kind of like Princess Endometriosis's cousin, who likes to live inside the uterus. Princess Adeno. (laughs) Princess Adeno. So that could be the correct option. Yeah, she lives inside
0: the uterus. Yes,
1: she's in the castle only, and Princess Endometriosis (laughs) rules over the kingdom. So they're, like, a little bit different. They, like, work together, but, like, they're
0: just awful together. The moat, the grasslands. (laughs)
1: A princess adeno is just like, I stay inside all the time.
0: <laughs> so basically adenomyosis is when the endometrium invades the myometrium. The endometrium is the inner lining of the uterus, which endometriosis is not the endometrium. Quick reminder. And the myometrium is the muscular portion of the uterine wall. So which would make sense as to why, in
1: this case, the uterus being removed could be the best treatment option. And because it's such a case-by-case basis, it's absolutely something that should only be discussed with your endospecialist. And like we say, not just a regular doctor, not just a regular gynecologist, but an endospecialist because they'll really be able to take all of those factors in account and determine if that's the right course of treatment for you specifically.
0: But what if I want to just talk to my local, like my local OBGYN?
1: Well, unfortunately, because this theory persists and is so pervasive, They may be going off of that information, and it's outdated. So I would definitely recommend the endo specialist who's going to have the most current and up-to-date factual information about how to treat your endo. And our last myth born of Samson's theory is that endometriosis can only be found in menstruating biological women.
0: Well, guess what, Brittany? What? Is it a myth? Is my myth a myth? Uh Uh-huh. Yep. (laughs) Because... Endometriosis has been found, and it is rare, but it has been found in biological men who don't menstruate or have a uterus or have a period, which is why I said menstruate, but I got confused. (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) Okay. Made sure it was double confirmed. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Endometriosis has also been found in girls who have not yet had their periods. Biological men, as we mentioned, and it's also been found in the human fetus. So if it's caused by retrograde menstruation, then how is it being found in these populations that haven't ever or haven't yet menstruated? And another thing that we mentioned is that endometriosis has been found in other parts of the body that is not the abdominal cavity. So let's say that your uterus is leaking through the tubes and all the blood is going there. But so how is it being found in, in people's lungs or, you know, in rare cases, someone's brain? That's another thing that this theory does not take into account, and I think the final thing is that there are actually a lot of people who do have retrograde menstruation. It is a real thing. It's real. Yeah, God, I'm leaking. You <laughs> may or may not be. I don't know. We have not confirmed scientifically that uh, that you're losing blood, but you probably are because why not? <laughs> I just feel like you, I just feel like you are. Yeah, all right. With everything else going on, no, I just feel right. like you are. <laughs> But not everyone who has retrograde menstruation has endometriosis. So that's pretty interesting because you would think that if you had retrograde menstruation, then you would also naturally have endometriosis if that was the cause. So There seem to be a lot of
1: reasons why the theory still remains a theory.
0: Well, the theory has not been proven, which is why it remains a theory. But yes, these are a lot of holes mm-hmm. that are being poked into this theory. So now we'll talk about a few other theories about the cause of
1: endometriosis. So some scientists think that stem cells actually could play a role in endometriosis.
0: Interesting. Well, other scientists think that genetics plays a role. And so, I don't know if in your own situation, but people who have a relative with endo, such as their mother or their sister, might have an increased risk of endo. And I know a lot of endo warriors do say, like, oh, my mother had endo, or my sister also has endo, or my grandma had endo. So we're seeing a lot that it's in, like, these family lines. So there's
1: another theory, and it's called mylariosis. So what is it, Brittany? Well, the first thing you have is a mylarian duct, which sounds fun, right?
0: Okay, so (laughs) what, what, so you start with malarian duct, so what Uh is that? Is that like an air duct? (laughs) <laughs> is there a fan in there? <laughs> Can we all
1: have air ducts in our body, please? Um, no, it's a term for a cluster of cells. Yeah, be breezy. In okay, the sorry. embryo. Go- a cluster of cells, okay. not an air duct. Okay. I mean, it could form an air duct. Okay. I don't know,
0: but. <laughs> so this is when you're an embryo.
1: Yes. Sack of cells is growing. Yes. Okay. So it's a cluster in that, that embryo or the foundation, and it will grow into female reproductive
0: organs. Okay. So it's basically like, The primordial beginnings of your reproductive organs when Mm -hmm. there's still just like cells that are not your reproductive organs. Yes. They're like the pre. They're just like, we're going to be those. Okay. So they're like the pre-reproductive organs, Mm -hmm. the malarian duct. Yes. Okay. I got it.
1: So malariosis (laughs) states that the malarian duct develops abnormally. Hence why it's called
0: malariosis. Yes. Oh, you got it. (laughs) Based on the malarian
1: duct. Wow. Imagine that. So some of those cells, and remember, this is the foundation for the female reproductive system. Mm-hmm. They migrate to the wrong spot. <gasps> I know. They get lost. Oh. oh, poor little babies. And they just differentiate abnormally. They're like, oh, we thought we were supposed to be here. They were invited to the wrong party. They got the wrong directions. They oh didn't goodness. ask for directions. They ended up in the wrong place.
0: So what does that mean? To differentiate, when a cell differentiates.
1: Oh, differentiating means that it changes from one cell type to another, usually to become a more specific type of cell.
0: Okay, so when these like pre-female reproductive organ cells are becoming female reproductive organ Mm -hmm. cells, this specific cell, they get lost and they do it wrong. They go somewhere else. And they differentiate incorrectly. Yes, they're like, we
1: are confused. (laughs) And then instead of asking for instructions, they just freak out. And panic. Are
0: they men? No. I mean, <laughs> we ain't going to say yes or no, but. The smartphone really helped. You know, the whole, the whole like, the old thing, like, a man never asks for directions. There's no excuse now. The smartphone really helped that. Yes. Right? There's no need they to, They can like... ask their own directions. So these cells, though, they should have really, like, they should have stopped the car. They should have rolled the window down. They should have been like, excuse me, ma'am. Do you know how I get to the spot where the uterus is supposed to be? <laughs> but they didn't do that. No. Okay, Brittany, so what causes biological women to have this problem with abnormal malaria and duct development when they're in embryo? Whew. That so was complex. a lot. Ooh. But basically, I want to know why. <laughs> this is complex. Why, 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 Brittany? Tell me why. So,
1: again, mm-hmm. no one knows. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Common theme. Common theme. We, no one knows. No one knows. No one knows. So when people say they know and
0: they're like, I know, you're like, no, no one knows. No, one knows. no one knows. No one knows. Okay.
1: But we can speculate, which is a common speculation, that it has to do with genetics. Oh.
0: Is this your speculation? No. <laughs> okay. I did
1: not. I am not this <laughs> smart. I did not
0: speculate this. <laughs> so you mean like the si- the science yes, community? The we. science
1: <laughs> community, whoever researched this, speculates this. Okay. Yes. Not me. I mean, okay. I can speculate about whatever I want, but <laughs> not with scientific credibility. The research being done right now is into what's called homeobox, or hox genes. Fancy. I know. I like that.
0: Hox. (laughs) I like homeobox. So what are homeobox, hox genes? I'm so glad you asked. Oh, my goodness. I ask good questions. (laughs) Yes, you do. You'd be a really great interviewer. It's important. The power of your question is most important. I know. It
1: gets the answer you want. So these genes are involved in the development of the female reproductive system, like the tubes, the uterus, the cervix, and the vagina, and they tell the cells.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, said vagina, so I got grossed
1: out. Okay,
0: <laughs> don't be like them. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So I'm sorry. Wait, just I'm so focused on vagina. So tell me again. Rewind. Backpedal. Hoax. The hoax. Sorry. No, no, the hoax. Oh my yes. goodness. Not hoax. Hoax. They're not, not a, a hoax. Not a conspiracy. <laughs> it's not a hoax. The hoax genes are involved in what? What parts did you say? The vagina. The tubes, so fallopian tubes, the uterus, and the cervix. And the uterus and the... Okay, so the female reproductive. Yes, the whole system. Okay. Okie dokie.
1: So they tell the cells, basically, to lay down the reproductive tract in the female.
0: Okay, so these Hox genes are kind of like the DNA architects of the female reproductive system. Yes.
1: They're telling everything where to go. The air controller, like at the airport. Fancy. So in addition to the Hox genes or the homeobox, because that's so fun to say, genetics also may be a determining (laughs) factor in where the cells get laid down. So like your intestine Uh or your diaphragm or your lung. Just one of them, though, like maybe both. I don't know. Just a lung, solitary lung. Genetics could influence how active the endo is going to be, which is a really fascinating speculation.
0: Well, that is interesting. So research is being done on the role that genetics like that genes could play into the development of endo, right? And the severity of it, yeah. Where and how severe it is. And that's really interesting. In my opinion, it would make a lot of sense. And something else interesting to note that more interesting than more interesting. More interesting than all that all the science. Oh my goodness. Is (sighs)
1: something that could support this theory as well is differentiation and migration. That we talked about before is how the cells determine what they're gonna be and where they go. Mm-hmm. Um, that occurs in the back pelvic
0: surface. Oh, so the malarian duct. The good old malarian ducts, <laughs> the Good old malarian The, the Good old malarian, duct. old malarian duct when it's the foundation and it's growing and becoming the female reproductive system. Does its things. <laughs> <laughs> all of its working. Does all the
1: things. Where? In the back pelvic surface. Oh, okay.
0: Interesting. Yeah, because on endopedia.info, Dr. Redwine explains that endometriosis is commonly found in that region. So it's commonly found in the cul-de-sac and the uteral sacral ligaments and the broad ligaments. So that might explain why endometriosis is found there, if that's where the that's malaria where it all develops, develops, mm-hmm. develops. primordially <laughs> as <laughs> an embryo, primordial ooze. <laughs> You know what? There's a really interesting video on endopedia.info and so if that sounded interesting to you, or you want to learn more than the science that Brittany and I could bring to you on this fun, we tried our best, entertaining podcast. <laughs> then I recommend you go to endopedia.info because Dr. Redwine has a video on there in which he talks about the hawks genes, and he also talks about pelvic mapping and where they commonly find endometriosis and. It's really interesting to like hear it from Dr. Redwine himself and hear about his research and hear the way that he explains all of these things. So, Brittany, I have a question. With this theory of embryonic origin, that endometriosis begins to develop when you're an embryo, I guess that could make sense to why endometriosis has been found in fetuses. But I'm a little confused how endometriosis has been found in some biological men. If it's coming from this malarian duct, which is the beginning of biological female anatomy. So it's the female reproductive system. So why is it being found in some biological men? Why, Brittany? That's a great question. That's a great question. Tell me why. Well, you kind of answered it
1: yourself because you said it's the beginning of the female reproductive tract. So when a fetus is developing in the first six to eight weeks, it actually has both the male and female reproductive tracts.
0: No way. It does.
1: I know. Both the male and female reproductive tracts? Yeah. So it's like, all right, we're ready to make whichever one we want to make. Wow. So that's why it, it starts to develop. And then once the shift happens in the, the determining of the biological sex, then one regresses and the other continues to develop. Oh, wow. And that's when the fetus becomes either biological male or biological female. Okay. And it continues to develop that tract. So some of the malarian duct can remain and some of
0: those cells can remain. And that's why. Fascinating. I know. Oh, my goodness. I know there's a lot of research going into all of that. And there is another component that may be involved. Another one? Uh, Yeah. There are so many. Another one, and maybe. So it's metaplasia. Ooh, that's a fun word. Metaplasia. 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 <laughs> <laughs> what does that even mean? Oh, my. Put me on the spot, Brittany. What does that mean? <gasps> oh, what is metaplasia? M E P. Oh, no, it's not spelling B. Metaplasia. This <laughs> <No. laughs> is a definition. Okay. I'm looking for a definition here. Metaplasia, Brittany, is when one differentiated cell changes into another differentiated cell.
1: So does that mean it's like double confused?
0: Or? So it kind of just like changes its outfit. <laughs> it's like I don't like this one today. I'm gonna be this one. So confused, Demetrios is so confused. Well, according to this theory, at the time of puberty,
1: oh the great puberty, <laughs>
0: the end all be all of all evils,
1: or the start, depending who you ask.
0: <laughs> <laughs> In my case, definitely the start yeah, of all. Yeah, the start <laughs> of the was evil. child. It was so good until puberty <laughs> happened, and then endo came. Yeah, off. it's the start of all evils. Metaplasia, or shall I say metaplasia, naturally happens when a biological female is undergoing puberty and her hormones begin to produce estrogen, also one of the great evils of life. (laughs) Estrogen. Okay, so during puberty, metaplasia just happens naturally on the cervix and in the female reproductive system because you know all those changes are happening in your body. If you've ever read those. Did you ever get that what book when you changes? were like 10 years old and showed the female body changing from like. Your body's changes. My parents bought me one of those books. And it my sh- parents just told me. <laughs> and it was kind of like, no, but the book was interesting. Yeah, I'm sure. And Diagrams like, and illustrations. Yeah, but they weren't like pictures of, they were like, yeah, they were like. Uh, illustrations. Illustrations. Yeah. And it showed the like female body from like 10 years old to 20 and, mm-hmm. and the development of everything. That's and, interesting. Yeah. The uterus and the breasts and body the pubic hair all the hair and you're a little kid and you're like i'm gonna be hairy you're you're like what is that that's (laughs) when you're 17 you look like a weirdo (laughs) i mean fair like didn't we all look like weirdos so (laughs) So basically metaplasia is happening anyway and so according to the component of metaplasia then estrogen also stimulates Those cells that were from the malarian ducts, you know, the ones are all like, I'm lost. I'm in the wrong spot. I didn't differentiate. Well, it also stimulates those cells, and then they develop into endometriosis. So that's just like another, like, maybe component. Another potential fun fact. Fun
1: layer in this (laughs) (laughs) Sunday. Cherry on top.
0: So we talked about a few theories. Malariosis. Samson's theory, do you see the difference in the theories? Like, obviously, they're really different, right? But what are some, like, go ahead, Brittany. Pop quiz. Oh, God. Pop quiz. Yeah, I wasn't ready. Okay, well, that's why it's a pop quiz. This is a nightmare. Oh, yeah. So, the a nightmare pod... fuel. <laughs> All right, pop quiz. Tell me the major differences between the two theories in terms of what it means about treatment. Oh,
1: gosh. Okay.
0: <laughs> pop well, quiz. I mean, the Samson's theory, it
1: says that the cause is ongoing. So, it, it like happens monthly every menstruation cycle, right? And the theory of embryologic origin. Which is malariosis. Which is the malariosis. Yeah, or, and, and the metaplasia. Yes. And other. All the fun yeah. words, the N words. <laughs> All those M words. It implies that, like, if you remove the cells that migrated or differentiated abnormally, then the endo may not grow back. So, that
0: means that there's two different perspectives. It, so, why might it not grow back? Because that theory's saying. It's not retrograde menstruation. They're saying it happens in the embryo. Yes. Like it originates in the embryo.
1: So to answer that question, fair oh. question. So many supporters of this theory believe that endometriosis can be successfully treated if all the endometriosis is excised. And we talk about this in the next episode on treatment. And with excision surgery, it's been shown that about 80% of their endo hasn't grown back.
0: Wow. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's pretty a pretty high
1: percentage. Yeah. What they'll do is they'll review that surgically. If a second operation was done some years later, they can tell the success rate. And that's how they develop the percentage. But 80% is a really high success rate with the excision surgery.
0: Wow, that's awesome. So there really is a big difference in the takeaway of the two theories. With Samson with retrograde menstruation, it's like, yay, I'm recurring all the time. I'm an endometriosis factory. Nothing you cut can do about it. Burn me out. Who cares? I'm coming back.
1: One says, uh uh-uh.
0: uh. So the retrograde it reminds me of like a hydra. You know, you like chop <laughs> you cut it off and you like chop two heads their head back. off and like yeah. two heads go back and then you chop those two heads and off and then termal. four heads yes. come back. And then with the theory of embryonic origin, it's like, okay, this is the endometriosis that you were born with. And mm-hmm. if you remove all of it to the root with excision, then it's not going back in a lot, like in a high percentage, like 80%. Like that's a high percentage of endos not being seen to recur in a further surgery. That is amazing. Yeah. That's a really amazing percentage. <gasps> I want to be one of those percentages. You can be. Okay. 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 You're 80%. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. We'll see. Hopefully never have to have another surgery.
1: <laughs> yeah, <okay. laughs>
0: I think it's safe to say that Samson's theory of retrograde menstruation has failed in many ways. Uh, Yeah, it's failed miserably. (laughs) It's obviously not the cause of endometriosis. Yeah, it has way too many flaws to be true. I mean, how can it be retrograde menstruation if endo is found in populations that haven't menstruated or who don't have a uterus? How does that make sense? How can endometriosis be found outside of the abdominal cavity if it's caused by your uterus? I mean, your lung doesn't menstruate, as far as I know. I know. <laughs> or does it? Everything's been a lie. <laughs> no, no, it does not. Do your lungs menstruate? <laughs> no. <laughs> and recently, a rare case of endometriosis was found. Are you ready? I am. I'm prepped. In someone's. Fingertip. What?
1: Yes. What? <laughs> yes. how, wait, one, how did they find it? Like, that is fascinating. And there's
0: to me. photos. Like, oh my gosh. Yeah, Dr. David Redwine, if you follow him on Facebook, it's one of the posts, and it actually has a picture of endometriosis on a fingertip. And you can see that it is on crazy. this fingertip. It's like this red bumpy thing. Oh my goodness. So, how on earth is it caused by retrograde menstruation if it's on your fingertip? How? Like, how? And supposedly, it should come back like a hydra during menstruation. Endometriosis, I mean. It should come back like a hydra during menstruation. But how come it does not recur in 80% or even more, depending on the surgeon, of women who have excision surgery? Many of these still have their uterus and they still menstruate. So how come endometriosis is not proliferating in their abdominal cavity? All over again. None of these things make sense. Well, I'm sure Samson was doing his very best
1: Aww. when he developed the theory. You're so you're so I'm compassionate. sure he was trying to do his besty best. Yeah. <laughs> but that was like a hundred years ago. So
0: True. <laughs> true. I'm sure Samson was doing his very best. I mean, granted he was trying to he was probably trying to help women with endometriosis. But yeah, but they had limited knowledge. His theory. Yeah. I mean, what they had was Limited, and
1: scientists now have incredible new research, new facts, and so many things that actually disprove the key components of retrograde menstruation. but Samson, of course, didn't know that at the time, and these new facts actually support the theory of malariosis, which is developing endo as an embryo. Little baby embryo.
0: Oh, little baby with endo, me. Uh, yeah, that's really sad. <laughs> Sorry. A <laughs> little
1: well, embryo, embryo with endo. Oh, that's very sad, but also sounds great.
0: Well, if that's the case, <laughs> we all... Had endo, I was the endo embryo. Mm-hmm. Oh, that
1: actually sounds kind endo-embryo. of Endo
0: embryo. That actually has a kind of a ring to it. Embryo endo. <laughs> makes it sound
1: cute. Yeah, it makes the horror sound cute. <laughs> I'm good at that, right? <laughs> but I mean, the facts are more and more supporting that versus Samson's theory. The theory of malariosis or developing endo as an embryo, an endo embryo, is due to the defect in the development of the malarian duct. So Samson didn't have all the information a hundred years ago, and new research is being done every day, and new facts are being learned every day. Wow, a defect.
0: I'd never thought of it like that, but I love this idea of endometriosis being a birth defect because yes. I'm just so tired of being told that I can quote cure end quote my endometriosis by going gluten free or doing yoga. Brittany, did you rewire your brain to think positively? None of those things really work on birth defects. (laughs) Did you heal unresolved trauma, Brittany? (laughs) While I love and support all of those things as good practices for a human being to do, yet none of them is going to cure a birth defect. Imagine that you're born with an extra finger, which I believe is a kind of birth defect, which is pretty useful. I mean, having an extra finger, apart from maybe wearing (laughs) gloves... Or getting made fun of a lot, probably.
1: But probably useful for picking things up. More
0: balance. (laughs) You can wear more rings. Better grip. You can wear more rings on your finger. More jewelry. (laughs) But imagine that someone said to you, oh, yeah, if you cured your unresolved trauma, your sixth finger will disappear.
1: Yeah, it sounds pretty ridiculous when you put it in something that people are used to hearing about.
0: I mean, is thinking positively gonna cure congenital heart disease? No. No. So if endo was a birth effect, then. I don't know. It just gives us more ammo to be like, get out of my face. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I've done yoga. Move on. <laughs> Move on, please. Birth defect's still here. <laughs> I still got the birth defect. And along these lines, Dr. David Redwine recently said on, the, on his Facebook page that, quote, until and unless gene therapy is developed, excision will remain the most effective form of treatment. End quote. Wow, gene therapy? Gene
1: therapy, Brittany. That is so intense. Like really cool though, but you do. really intense. Yeah, you do it while you do yoga. Oh, okay. <laughs> while well, I think about my and my ideal positive life. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> gene therapy with a little side of yoga. Okay. No, I mean that's really, really fascinating because gene therapy is really intensive and in depth and very like a big deal. It sounds like Dr. David Redwine believes the cause of endo
0: is malariosis. He has been saying that endometriosis is caused by malariosis since at least 1987. Woo! He was yeah. ahead of the curve. He was. That's when he wrote a paper on it. And perhaps even earlier he believed that. I, I don't know. I haven't talked directly with him. I'm just looking at the research. Just looking at what... <laughs> you
1: he... don't call him at home? <laughs> <laughs> Hello! It sounds like your best friend Hey, David. Point. Is he replacing
0: <laughs> me? Is he your new best friend? <laughs> but... Apart from his paper that was in 1987, more and more papers are com- scientific papers, I mean, not newspapers, are coming out on the topic of embryonic origin. So many experts in the field are also advocating that we are born with endometriosis. Born with it. And that we need to lean away from retrograde menstruation. When you say lean away, you mean run away, right? <laughs> <laughs> run far, far. Far away, flee! (laughs) I mean, Brittany, get in the car and drive away at top speed like the aliens are chasing you. Okay, I'm ready. But they would probably still win because they'd probably be in their fancy spacecraft. Yeah, but it's okay. (laughs) For for the theoretical, they're slow aliens. They're average speed aliens. (laughs) (laughs) But retrograde menstruation is not the cause of endometriosis. That's why we talked about today all of the holes in this theory. But the problem is... That many misinformed doctors have learned and still believe that endo is caused by retrograde menstruation. And so they tell their patients that. And then it's on the internet. And then it's repeated over and over and over. And we all know how when something is repeated over and over and over, and no one knows the source and no one knows who's said it. It's just like, well, people say. And it's, the internet never lies, right? Oh, exactly. <laughs> but it also becomes like a common cultural norm. And so people believe this. Well, everyone says it's retrograde menstruation. Oh, it must be. No. 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 Endometriosis and a Brittany, <laughs> in a fingertip, Brittany. In a fingertip. Hold on. I need to examine my fingertips right now.
1: <laughs> they have been looking quite... I think your specialist would have noticed. <laughs> they have been looking kind of purple lately. Well, I think what you said is true. It's one of those persistent endomyths that just will not... Die. It just keeps going and going and is brought up and taught. Energizer Bunny of endo myths. That, there you go. That's very <laughs> accurate. Well, it's just crazy that it's still taught when there's so many things that is have, wrong with it. Yeah, have holes in it, and it's in a hundred years. It's never ever been proven to actually be the cause. So that should make you question if you are of scientific
0: mind. Well, all the lead experts, yeah, are questioning it.
1: Yeah, I mean, but, we're with David Redwine, so he's been researching about endometriosis his whole life.
0: He's a smart cookie. And he has
1: such slash, passion for slash it. man. Like, yeah, both. <laughs> man cookie. Cookie man. But he has such passion. Like, when you read what he writes, you can tell he knows what he's talking about, first of all. But he's dedicated to finding out what's going on and finding out this information and doing research. We would love to know what you lovely listeners, you endo embryos, <laughs> think is the cause of endometriosis because we would love to know what you think.
0: As always, we are on Instagram under in 16 years of endo. Please definitely follow us on Instagram and so we can engage with you. We post frequently and we'd love to hear from you. So we will talk to you next time.